instead of waiting until I got a deal on the go, why don't I get a bunch of investors on the go first and then go looking for the deal? So that's how I came up with this uh, money partner formula. Worked really well for me, raised uh, right around a million bucks for the single family home deals I was doing, then got into multifamily properties, raised several millions of dollars for that. And over the last eight years or so, we've been working with clients. Uh, we worked with several hundred of them so far, and we've helped them raise uh, cumulatively about $300 million. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, everyone. Uh, we have Dave Dubow on the show today. Dave, thanks for joining us today. So uh, before I let Dave introduce himself, I'm going to give you a quick introduction. So Dave is actually based out of uh, British Columbia. I'm sure experiencing nicer weather than uh, we are most of the year. Um, he is actually the host of a new podcast called uh, The How to Raise Capital 101 Show, which is a perfect title for what Dave does. Um, you know, he is an expert in capital raising and uh, that's why we brought him on the show today. We actually haven't had an expert who's specifically talking about capital and how to raise capital, which is such an important part um, in you know most businesses, especially in the real estate business, which is extremely capital heavy. So um, I know I have lots of questions specifically um, around you know capital and how to navigate some of the things that are going on in the economy right now as it relates to that. Um, I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Um, so yeah, um, without any further ado, I'll let uh, Dave introduce himself and uh, we can get right into it. Well, Khadija, thank you very much. Jose, good to see you again, my friend. Uh, yeah, so I've been in the real estate game one way or another since about 2001. I actually started, uh, did my first couple of kind of creative deals when I was living in San Jose, Costa Rica. Did what would we, I guess we would call a couple of pre-foreclosure properties there. Uh, then 2003, moved to Kamloops with my Costa Rican family kicking and screaming all the way <laughs> brought the, brought them from the tropical paradise of Costa Rica to Canada. I uh, had to figure out what I was going to be doing. So jumped into real estate investing full time, got one of those, how to get rich quick in real estate courses from the, the, the American gurus that I saw on some late night infomercial Um did uh, 18 deals in 18 months in and around Kamloops. That was my first kick of the can, which sounds kind of impressive, and it is, but a lot of those deals were really small little, you know, all of them were single family homes, and quite a few of them were crappy little mobile homes and, and that sort of thing, but got good at at doing creative type stuff and attracting motivated sellers. Uh, around 2010, after taking a few years off from real estate investing, got into a, a strategy with single family homes that actually involved buying the house. So like most folks, I was able to do my first couple of deals on my own, my own money for the down payment, my own credit for financing. And then I hit that wall, ran out of cash, ran out of credit, 
and had to start figuring out how to uh, raise money. And what I found you guys was pretty much all of the information that was out there didn't work nicely for me. So I'd heard the, all the real estate gurus say, hey, just find a good deal and the money will magically find you. <laughs> well, that ain't how it works. Right? So yeah. So, so I did find a deal. I remember it vividly. I had this great deal uh, under contract. It needed $85,000 and somebody to qualify for financing for the deal. And that's when I started scrambling around trying to raise money. I tried cold calling and networking and schmoozing and spamming everybody I knew with my deal and uh, raised absolutely zero capital, turned a lot of people off, uh, got some egg on my face. And after the smoke cleared, that's when I decided, you know what? Uh, I've got a background in marketing. Why don't I apply this whole marketing thing to raising capital? And instead of waiting until I got a deal on the go, why don't I get a bunch of investors on the go first and then go looking for the deal? So that's how I came up with this uh, money partner formula. Worked really well for me, raised uh, right around a million bucks for the single family home deals I was doing, then got into multifamily properties, raised several millions of dollars for that. And over the last eight years or so, we've been working with clients. Uh, we worked with several hundred of them so far, and we've helped them raise uh, cumulatively about $300 million. Wow. Very yeah. impressive. So obviously what you're teaching them is definitely working. Um, so is can you can you briefly describe what this money partner formula actually is? Well, we do, a whole, we, the, we, we, we do an eight-hour workshop on it, but I'll give you a 30,000-foot yeah. perspective on how it works, you guys. So, so we got three phases, yeah. three phases, and each phase has three steps. So I'll just run through them super quickly. That's that's what we got behind me here. So the first phase is the foundation. And in the foundation phase, the three steps are number one, we want to create a target group of prospective investors and focus all of our attention on those folks. And I'm going to suggest you want to start with your existing network first. That's just the safest, easiest, fastest capital to go after. So once we've got that list of about 200 people, the other part of the foundation is we want to have a way to communicate with them. So we need to get them all in a CRM type system, have an investor-focused website set up so that that can be our online communication cub. And then one of the, the cornerstones to the whole process is the third part of this foundation, which is making sure that you've got what I call your million-dollar investor presentation ready to go. So when people do put up their hand, you've got something to show them that gets them enrolled uh, as investors. So that's the foundation. Once we got that put in place, now we're ready for phase number two, which is the launch phase. So the first part of that phase is instead of doing what Dum Dum here did and just charging in, saying, hey, I'm, I'm Dave, I got a deal. I've, do you got any money? Right. Yeah. That's, that's what most of us do. Yeah. It's really tacky. <laughs> right. And the challenge is if you do it wrong, you're going to turn off a lot of really good prospective investors. So what we do instead is we warm up that contact list of a couple hundred investor prospects. We warm them up on a personal level first before we start talking business. And good news is you can do this with systems, with automation. You can do this by email. So you don't have to be talking to people individually, one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. So once we got that warm-up done, then now we're ready to really press go and start the marketing. So we do a couple of things at the same time. We get the marketing all going. Things that are working really well these days, you guys, are electronic newsletters, video logs, blog posts, drip, drip, drip. At least once a week, something's coming from you to your investors. 
what we call edutaining communication. Yeah. And here's a really important point. The goal of the marketing is not to sell the deal. The goal of the marketing is to sell the meeting, is to sell the appointment, right? So everything we're doing is to create curiosity. And then we have a call to action. Hey, if you'd like to find out more, book a call, book a call, book a call. Everything is about booking a call. So we get that foundation and we get that that uh, foundation in place. Now we've got the, the launch part in place. We do a little uh, tricky little tactic we call the ninja strategy for getting people a bunch of practice presentations with real people under their belt very, very quickly. And that's usually the, w- the way we're able to help our clients raise their first six figures in a matter of weeks with this, this whole launch phase of the thing. Then once we've got all of that set up, you guys, now we're ready for phase number three, which is the leverage phase. And this is where we can start doing things like webinars and go from one-on-one to one-to-many presentations. We really dial in the marketing to make sure we got the continuity of that marketing going along. And then we really work on amplifying the credibility, amplifying the authority uh, of us in the eyes of our prospective investors. So you guys are doing a great job of this, getting interviewed on podcasts, hosting a podcast. These are all ways of amplifying your authority. So all of those three phases and and nine steps, that is what we call our money partner formula. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Eight yeah, hours, eight hours and, and five minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks so much for sharing. And that's, you know, um, very, very thorough. And, and you've got a, a solid framework around uh, how to raise capital. Because most investors, they they kind of, they wing it, right? Uh, yeah. They, they like you mentioned, you know, they have a deal and then they're going to start pitching to investors. So they, they're not really building that relationship long-term. It's, it's the other way around. They got to, they, instead of finding investors first, they find the deal first and think that they, they're going to. Uh, well, it is, it's not really their place. fault, is it, yeah. Jose? Because they're, that's what we're told we're supposed to do. They just go find that good deal and the money will find you. Well, yeah. that might work for the gurus who have a platform and have thousands of followers. Yeah, they can do that. Yeah. But the rest of us, we have to do it the other way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's it's interesting exactly what Jose said, because we were we were of that same mindset. It was like, hey, it's all about the deal. Get a good enough deal and you'll get investors. And if you're not getting investors, because your deal's not good enough, right? That's kind of the, the yeah. sentiment yeah. in the market. But you know, at the end of the day, that's not the case. I mean, how does an investor even understand whether the deal is good or not comparatively uh, oftentimes, right? So exactly. um, ultimately, they're investing in the operator. I, I agree with you 100%, no. Khadija. Somebody way smarter than me uh, said this to me, and it is exactly that. At the end of the day, your investors are investing in you, and the deal is the collateral for that investment. Right. Yeah, right. Yep, 100%. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, like we are personally raising capital for mostly now US multifamily. And nice. We you know we, we're, we're facing the same challenges because, uh, we, you know, when we, we were working, currently on working on a deal and it's it's been a little bit more challenging because we we have been building relationship, but it's, you know, we, we have to be constantly growing our database mm. in, uh, and not just rely on that existing one. That's the main focus is to keep growing that database, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, again, our, our focus, we really help the mom and pop real estate investors who are just getting started with raising capital. You guys are at a uh, a step or two above that. That's for sure. You've been doing this for a while. You're syndicating deals. You're, you're in the bigger properties. So this process is beautiful for raising that first, you know, six figures, getting up into 
one, maybe $2 million over time. But you're absolutely right. Once you've kind of shaken that tree, you've gotten all the fruit out of that tree. Now you got to go find some more trees. You got to, you got to expand that orchard, right? So you got to grow your, you got to grow your database. You got to grow your network. Uh, lots of things that you can be doing to to do that. But you have to be careful as you guys are aware, right? You have to be careful about how you're promoting yourself on social media and these sort of things that great platforms, but you don't want to be directly soliciting for investors that way, or that's a, that's a recipe for disasters with the uh, securities. Yeah, for sure. So I have a question about social media as we're talking about this. I mean, a lot of people out there, especially as you're going back to this conversation about newbie investors, and we've been there too. um, It's it's a big obstacle getting yourself out there at the very beginning. I think that's really challenging for a lot of people that first, um, because nobody, you know, let's say you're even transitioning out of the workplace or you've just started as a full-time investor and people don't know who you are. Um, You know, it's kind of scary to put yourself out there. Um, What advice do you give to newer investors to just sort of make that first sort of leap into starting to publicly, I wouldn't say solicit, but to start to publicly speak about what they do and and, and how important that is. Yeah. Well, lots of things that that you can do there. Um, First of all, is just step into it and own the fact and, and don't be shy to tell people that you're a professional real estate investor, right? I mean, that's that's just... So many people seem to be shy about that. And they, well, I'm I'm an accountant and I do real estate part-time. Well, nobody gives a crap about you being an accountant. You know, lead in with the fact that you're you're a real you're a full-time real estate investor, right? So just yeah. own that. Uh look the part, right? So, you know, you, you want to have sharp looking materials, you want to have sharp looking uh website. That web presence is very important. Uh get professional headshots done, have professional business cards that you give people, not the, not the kind that you print out on your home printer kind of thing, but you know, invest a few bucks in those kind of things. And then some simple things to get started, you guys, and which I'm sure you, you, you've done, is get in law, involved in your local real estate environment, like local real estate investment clubs or meetups or those kind of things. If you don't have any, start one. I mean, that's what I did here in Kamloops years ago. There wasn't a real, local real estate investment club. So what the heck? I, I started one and here we are 10 or 11 years later. It's still chugging along. I, I took a bunch of years off, handed it off to some other people. They've kept it running. I'm back involved with that now again, but get involved with your local real estate club, but don't just be a passive participant, like take an active role. And even if you're the shyest wallflower, that doesn't matter. Just stretch out there a little bit. You don't have to be the main speaker, but perhaps you could even just help out uh, taking registrations at the beginning of the meeting, just so people start to see your face, get to know you, mix and mingle, expand your network that way. I think that's probably one of the fastest ways, you guys, because I don't know about you, but my experience with real estate clubs has been that it's about, well, it's like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. So you've got about 20% of the people in the in the room who are typically active, like really out there doing deals. And you've got 80% that are in some stage of just getting started, absolute beginners or super duper part-timers that are just doing onesie, twosie deals every decade kind of thing. So, yeah. so there's a, a large group of connections there who are already who've already drank the Kool-Aid about real estate. So you don't have to educate them about the big benefits of it, but for whatever reason, they haven't pulled the trigger yet. So they a lot of those people could be really good 
partners. Right. And you know, you've been doing this for for a long time. What are you, what are some of the big mistakes that you're seeing other real other real estate investors make when when they're looking to raise capital? Well, some of the stuff we already talked about touched on so waiting until they got a deal and then scrambling around like crazy trying to raise capital uh, because it doesn't matter how good the deal is if you are desperate for the money that is going to ooze out of you right that desperation is going to ooze out and it's actually going to turn people off because they, they just feel like you're needy and that creeps them out so again don't wait until you got a deal on the go to start the whole capital raising thing start it you know ideally before at least at the same time be doing both well at your stage you guys you you know this you got to be doing both right you're you're looking for investors and you're looking for deals all the time so yeah. that's that's kind of the the mindset you got to have um other big mistake people people make especially when they're at at perhaps at your stage sometimes they're very sporadic in their communications right yeah. so they've got a deal on the go and it's like active 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 email, 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 Facebook lives, you know, everything's going yes, on. Yes. And then maybe they raise the money, maybe they don't, but they get the deal on the go. They get busy with that and they forget about the marketing and it's just crickets <laughs> for 100%. months on end. Yeah. Uh, guilty. Yeah. Well, here's the challenge, <laughs> you guys. And I, I appreciate you being honest about that, but here's the challenge. We got to think about it. People want to invest and feel people feel comfortable investing with, with uh, operators who are consistent and reliable right? So if your marketing is hit and miss, that's inconsistent and unreliable. And consciously or subconsciously, it kind of it trickles in there that these, these folks are, are hit and miss, right? Yeah. And I'm not yes. saying that's what you are, but that's, that's the, the impression that people have. So again, yes. get the marketing going, keep it going. Other big mistakes, there's just so many of them. When it comes to the marketing, <laughs> a lot of us assume that our investors are real estate nerds like we are. <laughs> I say that with love and affection, but here we are talking real, we love talking real estate and we we love the jargon, NOIs and IRRs and cap rates and all this stuff that the average human being does not know what that means. Even the average accredited investor doesn't really know what that means. Uh, so we, we, we overdo it with the communication when we do. So we, 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 we end up giving too much confusing jargon. We end up sending way too many graphs, charts, and and Excel spreadsheets and all this kind of stuff that the average person doesn't care about, right? So when it comes to the marketing, here's the big idea. Don't try to use your marketing to sell a deal. Use your marketing to sell a meeting, to sell an appointment. That's the whole goal of that marketing. Hey, Create some curiosity. Hopefully, well, what I like to call is edutaining communication. Yeah. A little bit educational, hopefully a little bit entertaining, and then with a clear call to action. Hey, if you'd like to find out more, book a call. Book a call. Book a call. Everything's trying to get that one-on-one -on -one meeting, which is there. That's where they have the opportunity to enroll people, right? Yeah. And my my definition of enrolling somebody might be a little bit different. It's It's not necessarily to get them to cut a check for me right away. My definition of enrolling somebody is to get them to sign off on an expression of interest. And my whole goal is to get as many of those expressions of interest in the pipeline as possible so that when I've got that next deal, I've got all the people who've already put up their hand and seriously said, hey, you know what? I'm interested. When you got a deal, I want 
first opportunity at that one. Right. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, it's like your qualified leads, right? They call them in marketing. They're qualified um, in some form. Super uh, qualified. In fact, yeah. these, you know, you've, in the capital raising, you've got different expressions for it, but, you know, um, man, I'm drawing a blank right now, but but basically it's it's getting somebody seriously committed. So you got, yeah, with commitments, right? So it's, you've got hard commitments. That's when somebody's cut you a check or signed mm-hmm. off on a, on a contract or both. Right. You've got soft commitments, which is usually, usually somebody just saying, yeah, I'm interested when you guys have got a deal, tell me about it. What I'm talking about is, I guess we call it a warm commitment mm-hmm. because they've signed off on an agreement, but it's an expression of interest. It's not legally binding, but I tell you what, getting them to sign that saying, I, Dave DeBow, am ready, willing, and able to invest a sum of up to whatever, $100,000, you know, with you guys, with Jose and Khadija in a, in a multifamily deal sometime within the next six months, right? If I okay. sign that document, I am eons more likely to actually invest with you than if I just give you a, a verbal commitment. Yeah. Something in writing kind of puts a lot of weight that they have that written commitment now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I had a question for you about this marketing itself. I mean, like, yeah. yes, the ultimate goal is to set up this this phone call um, right. or to have this one-on-one, um, especially for somebody starting out. Um, what kind of um, messaging and what kind of, you know, what, what kind of consistent messaging are you putting out there? Uh, perhaps if you haven't done as many deals or if you don't c- currently have a deal in like, see for us right now, we have a, like you said, we have a deal in the pipe. So we're yeah. every correspondence, every live, every, you know, every message is a lot of it is talking about something we're currently doing. Right. It's a lot of um, concrete information about returns. It's, it's about the actual unit counts and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So we're educating people specifically on the deal. Um, I'm assuming that most of the stuff you're suggesting is related to educating your, you know, your list or the people that you're communicating with. But how do you communicate with people if you don't actually have a deal on the go? And what kind of marketing are you actually doing? Yeah. So we we kind of got two different tracks, I guess. So the the main marketing message is going out to all 200 people on the on the list or whatever the, your list size is. That's pretty general. Right. So, for example, in you guys, in your case, you guys are focused on multifamily properties. I believe you do most of your investing in the states. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So the the consistency we would have there is we'd be always talking about the big benefits of multifamily investing. Right. So you could be doing a blog post about that, a video log about that, but not about the whole thing. You just take little bits and pieces. Right. So let's say you come up with the the top ten reasons why we love multifamily. Right. And then that could be 10 different little pieces of marketing. You don't want to do one huge one with all 10 in it. You want to do 10 little ones with bite sized, edutaining chunks. So that would be one example. Another great example for multifamily would be something like how the money's made in multifamily. So I'm aware of up to eight different, what some people call profit centers in a multifamily deal. So right there, there's eight different pieces of communication that we could have. Hey, today, you know, we're doing a video log. Uh, Today, I'm talking about one of the eight different ways that our investor partners and ourselves profit from a good multifamily deal. And today, we're going to be talking about cash flow and why cash flow is the king. And then, so you do your whole little thing about cash flow. That's that one. And then at the end, it's a quick call to action. So if you're interested in finding out about the other seven profit centers, 
couple of choices. Give us a call. Let's have a conversation. We can see how this could work for you or stay tuned for our next video update. And we'll be talking about profit center number two, something like that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that could be something. So there you go. You got the big benefits of multifamily top 10 reasons. You got your eight profit centers. Uh, perhaps you could do other communications about um, the markets that you're investing in, you know, why we've chosen the United States or why we've chosen this particular, why we're in Canada and investing in the States, you know, so the big benefits of that. Yeah. So there's, you know, another top 10 reasons or whatever you come up with there. There's 28 pieces of content right off the top of my head. Yeah, for sure. And maybe we can go a step forward to the actual call. So now you've, you know, set up all this marketing, you get your first phone call booked and somebody wants to to have a call with you. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, is there a framework for this specific call that you have? And uh, what are some tips for um, objection handling? It's it's funny. I I was working all day yesterday. I was just Working on my what I call my ultimate investor enrollment script. That's awesome. <laughs> so I got it. I mean, for me yeah. uh, personally, you know, it's interesting. Like uh, one of one of my somebody I spoke with the other day called us a generation of keyboard warriors, right? Uh-huh. Um, where we're we're really good at hiding behind our screens. Yeah. Um, everything that we put out, marketing wise, even video marketing, oftentimes it's done in the comfort of your own space, and then you're putting it on a screen, right? So you have a chance to do it many times. You have a chance to have a script. You're you know yeah. you're very comfortable, but that actual phone call for a lot of people um, can be extremely challenging. And myself included, like you're actually in the hot seat. Um, You don't know what's going to be coming at you and Mm. um, you don't know what kind of objections you're going to have to handle during that call. That's, that's, that's a really good point. So first of all, I hate having phone calls, right? So that's, that's why we've created a, a presentation Okay. A slide deck presentation. Some people call it a pitch deck, but I don't like right. that term. But if you've got a slide deck presentation to walk people through, it does a couple of things. First of all, it gives you a reason to get together if they live in the same area as you do. So my preference is always wherever possible to meet face to face with the other person. It just, you know, I, I like being a keyboard warrior myself too. But when it comes to raising capital, if you can be in the same room with the person, you just pick up the vibe a lot better. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah. Now, the other thing is when you've got this presentation, it gives you something to focus on, gives them something to focus on, and it keeps you on task, right? Because I have a tendency to go off on tangents. Mm-hmm. So this keeps me keeps me focused. And if you've got a really good one, it's well-organized, well-designed, and it, and it just, it starts getting you really good, consistent results. Right? right. So, so that would be a big tip there. And as far as, I mean, there's, there's so much psychology around there. Basically the first phone call might come in. Somebody's reaching out and saying, okay, Hey, you guys, uh, I've been seeing your marketing. I'm interested. Tell me more about this deal. So the first thing I want to do is just kind of pre-qualify the person a little bit over the phone. And if, you know, if, if, if I've done my job right and I've got my website set up properly and, and everything, they already have the gist of it. They're already going to know that you guys invest in apartment buildings. They're already going to know that these deals are in the States. They're probably going to know what the minimum investment is. They're probably going to know what the time frame is, but I just want to reconfirm those things over the phone. So, you know, Khadija, thanks so much for calling up. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you're interested in the deal. I'd love to show you what it's all about, but first let me ask you a question. Um, you understand that we're investing in apartment buildings, right? Yeah. I'm just role playing with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. You understand what is the minimum investment you guys have? 
Yeah, I think it's like 100,000. Okay. And the time frame? Uh, I'm not sure. A couple months, maybe? No, the time frame, the 100,000 is going to be in the deal. Like well, if I yeah, invest what, my 100,000, how long? One month. What? In the next one month. So that's when you're going to be starting the deal, but how long oh, am I oh, going to be invested uh, in the deal for? Oh, five years. Okay, good. Perfect. Okay, so Khadija, okay. so you understand we're investing in apartments in the United States. Our minimum investment is 100000 and this is at least a five-year time sure. frame. Yeah. Uh, not saying you're going to invest with me, but if you were, is that something you'd be comfortable with? Right. Right. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. Definitely something. That's okay. For perfect. Me. Well, Khadija, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you live just down the street from me, and I've got a really good presentation that I like to show you. I can't really do it justice over the phone. You can understand that, right? So, how about if we do this? How about if I take you and your lovely husband Jose out for coffee, and I'll show you what it's all about? Does that make sense? Right. Okay. Okay. And then we set up a time, yeah. Starbucks down the street get together, do the presentation that way. Now, if you live, not which you do, you live on the other side of the country from me, you're doing this over the phone. You say, okay, Khadija, I, I can't do it justice over the phone. How about if we do this? Let's set up a time. It'll take about 40 minutes and I'll walk you through it on Zoom. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Then we set up, we set up the time and we do the presentation, share the screen and walk through the presentation on Zoom. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. if, and, and if there's ever an objection to meeting in person, like your go-to is always to try to at least get the Zoom call. Yeah, for sure. You will say, I, I really can't explain it over the phone. That's why I put together a presentation. Trust me, it's going to be a lot more interesting for you to look at the presentation than to just listen to me blather on. So yeah, we got to, we got to do this. And if they won't do it, if they absolutely refuse, then guess what kind of an investor they would be? Right. An yeah. absolute pain there in the ass, right? Of an interest <laughs> so. anyway. Yeah. Well, or or if they do have interest, they're going to be control freak, and it's it's not going to be good for you. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, that was that was brilliant. Yeah, I know some valuable. really good points. I I think that a lot of people don't do this, I, including myself. And a lot of times, people will frame the conversation that, "Hey, like I just want to just want to chat with you. I just want to get a few more details. I just want to get some information." And they'll kind of lead you into having that open ended phone call, hmm. and. You're 100% right that those open-ended phone calls can turn into you wasting one hour. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I well, mean, also just going off tangent and speaking about a lot of different things, yeah. answering a lot of different questions that are not really relevant to the to, to the actual gist of what the call should be about, which, exactly. which can just happen, right? Whereas yeah. if you're on a Zoom call and you have a presentation, you're right. It's, it's a lot more directed and the objections are handled before they're asked. Exactly. And then and here's the other thing we got to keep in mind. So one of the one of the things that I always recommend is that we plant the seeds of the questions the investors should be asking us right before we get into the the whole presentation. So if I'm sitting down with you guys, let's say we're at Starbucks or on Zoom, doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, leading up to a presentation, I'd say something like this. Hey guys, thanks so much. Appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I'm busy too. In fact, I put aside about 35 minutes for our, our meeting here today. So if it's okay with you guys, how about if we just get down to it and I'll show you what it's all about. Okay. So mm -hmm. we get started that way. Okay. Perfect. And as we go through the presentation, chances are you're going to have some questions for me. You're probably going to want to know why is it that we like investing in multifamily properties, apartment buildings? Why are we doing this down in the States instead of Canada? What's the kind of typical time frame for these kind of deals? 
what are the big benefits for these kind of apartment building deals? What are some of the pitfalls or some of the, the drawbacks to this? So you guys, are you comfortable asking me those kind of questions? Right. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. We, so we here's the ask. thing. Yeah. But here's the thing. We, we know all of this stuff, but we make a big mistake if we assume that our a prospective investor even knows what kind of questions they should be asking us. Right. right. Yes. So right. guess what? We just planted the seeds of the questions they should be asking us. And guess what we're going to cover in our presentation? We're going to be oh. covering all of that stuff. So when we get to that part, you're going to be thinking, hey, yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. No, you weren't. <laughs> you weren't wondering about it until I planted that seed in your mind. Right. So it really, really helps. And then that <laughs> and then a, you, you guys want a big trick on on how to overcome objections? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Brainstorm the absolute worst questions you'd ever want anybody to ask you. So give me an example. What's like the worst objection you've had or you're scared of having or would rather not deal with? What would be something that that kind of makes you nervous a little bit? I would say one of the objections, uh, you know, it's oh I, I need to check with my spouse. Okay, yeah, that that would be an objection there. So also like related to um you know risk. People always have risk related objections. Yes. So like uh you know what if um what if like we lost all like what if what would happen if you know something happened and and the deal the deal went south like would we lose all our money? Exactly. Perfect. So if you know that that's an objection, then put it out there yourself. Right. So, for example, I, I like to go overboard. So, in my presentation, one of the frequently asked questions I have in there is, well, Dave, sounds good, but what happens if we start this deal and three months in, you get hit by a bus and you're dead? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, they asked that. Well, actually, yeah. actually yeah. I, I recently got asked that same yeah. question. Somebody yeah. asked us too, like, what that, if, what if you, what guys... if something were to happen to me? And yeah. then what if, and then he said, oh, like she'll handle the affair. And he's yeah. like, what if something happens to her? Yeah. What if, what if you're both in the same car at the same time? The bus yeah. hits both. I mean, of it's a valid question. Exactly. Yeah. So you think of these things ahead of time. Okay. What, what happens if you buy an apartment building in Fort, uh, what was it? Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah. And a freaking hurricane comes through. Yes. And, flattens the whole thing. What what happens then? Okay. Yeah. So those those kind of things if you if instead of kind of hoping to hoping to heck nobody asks those questions, you put them out there as one of your FAQs and then you talk about what you're doing to minimize the chance of that happening and if it were to happen, what you would do to deal with it. So so we won't, don't want to just leave them hanging with what are the worst case scenarios. Right. Yeah. So what do we do to try to make sure this doesn't happen and what's our <laughs> what's our plan should it happen, right? So right. we're not going to tell them there's no risk. There is risk. There's risk in getting up every morning. There's risk. There's Absolutely. always some risk, right? Yeah. So yeah. we don't whitewash anything. To answer your question there, Jose, uh, I need to talk about with my wife. Well, here's the thing, and I didn't go through the whole role play. Uh, when I'm setting up that meeting, I'm making sure that every decision maker is there, right? Because here's the challenge. This is a big, big, big one. If I meet with you, Jose, and Khadija is not there, or anybody and the wife is not there, okay, and the guy gets all excited about investing the deal, then he's going to rush home and try to sell his wife on the deal, try to try to convince her. In the meantime, between when that per, when he's left and gone home, he's forgotten 80% of what you just told him. 
yeah, right? Yeah. And then he's he's going to screw it up. He's going to mess it up. He's and she's going to say no, and it's almost impossible to change her mind. All right, so you need both people there. You need this. The man thinks he's in charge. He's not. The woman is in charge of the finances with the vast majority of North American families. It's it's the truth. Really? Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. By far. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. You know this. <laughs> so always have all the decision makers there. If you show up and then reconfirm, like the day of, you're going to be meeting with somebody. Hey, Jose, just want to reconfirm that uh, you and Kijija, we're going to we're going to meet for coffee and, and go over this. If you show up without Kijija, we'll have coffee, but I'm not going to do the presentation. I'm going to reschedule yeah. that. It's a package deal. <laughs> it is a package deal. It is. Yeah. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. You are completely yeah. wasting your time. For sure. No, that's no, that, really good. This has been absolutely amazing. And and, uh, and, and yeah, I think that this is yeah, such an important conversation because we talk so much about the tactical side of real estate, right? Like the execution of the deals and mm. all of that great stuff, which is, I mean, obviously extremely important to being successful, but without the capital, there's no deal. Exactly. And exactly. um you know, we can speak for ourselves that, you know, there is a cap that you always reach without raising capital. Like you can get into the game and you can grow, but at some point there's going to be a moment where that growth has to stop unless there's some sort of capital injection into the business. So absolutely, you know, this is such an integral thing. And I think that for investors who are starting out, like this is something that they should. So uh, I'll be honest with our journey. Um, we a lot of the questions I asked you were personal because we were a camera shy. We were afraid to talk about what we were doing. Uh, you know, kind of like the imposter syndrome stuff going on. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you you also don't want to brag. You don't want to put yourself in the spotlight. Like, there's all these mixed emotions going on as you're climbing the ladder of success. And you know, we made the big mistake of not from the very get go focusing on our personal branding and our websites and our social media presence and and consistently having these conversations to uh, preempt that pitch for the actual deals when they arose, right? And the first few deals that we did need to raise capital for, uh, they were very challenging for us, even mm. though people did know what we were doing. Because again, there wasn't that consistency in our marketing and in our messaging. So funny enough, I, I put up, I've, I've re, re sort of started up with some of our, our, our online marketing with Instagram and stuff. And somebody from high school, she contacted me and she said, Oh, like I haven't seen you on here in ages. All of a sudden I saw a post. Can you, can you set up a call with me? So, you know, nice. we set up a call and everything, but I just found it very interesting that, you know, she actually said those words that I haven't seen you on here in ages because she hadn't. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and just the power of that one post yeah. um, drew that much of intrigue that she actually wanted to speak with me over the phone. So it is, I mean, it is extremely important that, you know, in a very humble and educating way that you're sharing with people what you're doing, it doesn't have to be bragging, right? Exactly. Here's another, here's a, a tip as well. If you don't want it to come across as bragging, then you, you talk about it as a kind of a we type of thing. Like this is this is what we're doing with our investors or something like that. So it's not all me, 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 right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of together, together we're yeah. doing this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. So before we end our show today, um, maybe you can share one big tip or piece of advice that you would want to give to our listeners or some one big takeaway that they can take away from this conversation. 
Yeah. When it comes to the money of the deal, don't wait till you got the deal on the go to start raising the money. Get going with raising capital right now. That would be the biggest tip. Yeah. Well, yeah. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think I agree with that 110 percent. Yeah, yeah. The money has to be it. You know, it has to be there before that deal can happen. Otherwise, because because especially I mean, the, the market's changed now, but especially at certain points in the market, you don't have time to falter. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You got it. You got it. It just gives you so much more confidence. Right. If you know you 100%. got the, the investors and the capital back you up, you can negotiate harder. You can look at more deals. You can yeah. get deals under contract. You've, you've got that mojo. You've got that confidence. Yeah, 100% for sure. So, so Dave, uh, what's the best way for uh, people to get a hold of you? Um, I know you've got your amazing podcast, How to Raise Capital 101 show. Um, Is it available on uh, iTunes? Uh, it should be available anywhere people are listening to podcasts. Podcast. We've got stuff going on on YouTube. We've got a website set up for that, raisecapital101show.com. Okay, so that's Raise where you can check that out. And the the first, um, it's kind of cool. The first nine episodes of the show are like a mini course on my nine-step money partner formula. So okay. no opt-in awesome. required. You can just go there, listen to that. Uh, only thing I'll, I'll ask is if you like what you hear, leave it, uh, subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We'll put that in our show notes, um, raisecapital101show.com. Um, you know, we'll try to link uh, the How to Raise Capital 101 show so people can listen to it on, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, no, uh, iTunes and Spotify. And um, are you active on social media? Uh, not really. I, we do. I mean, I do a little bit of stuff on Facebook. That's about it. Uh, about Instagram and and all those TikToks and all that kind of stuff. No, yeah. no, I'm an old dude. I'm a dinosaur. I don't, I don't know how to use TikTok either. <laughs> <Don't blame you. laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yes, but uh, if you want to check me out or, or connect on Facebook, feel free. Feel free. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks again uh, for being on our show, Jay. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.